This morning's reading <coughs> sorry, is from Ephesians uh, chapter 2, and we'll be reading verses 1 to 10. And you were dead in the trespasses of sin, and in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived, in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is, this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let's pray. Our God and Heavenly Father, we, we just thank you this morning for uh, enabling us to come and, and sing together as your church, Lord, about your amazing grace. It is just so heartwarming to see us all in this building and being able to see, sing about that. How truly great are you, Lord? You are just so good to us that even in all our trespasses that we can uh, be with you for eternity, Lord. Lord, I just pray for uh, your land at the minute, Lord, with, with the, uh, the Omicron. Just the, uh, I, I pray for the leaders um, of our country, Lord, and, and decision-making. It is not easy. Please Please be with them, Lord, and, and make decisions that will help, uh, help the situation, help those in need, help those who are falling sick with this disease, Lord. And I just pray for uh, our, our children, Lord. Uh, it is not easy for them in school at the minute. They have missed so much over the last uh, two years and are continuing to do so, Lord. It, it's not good for them. And uh, I just pray that you'll be near to them, Lord, and, and, and help them through these times. And Lord, just as, as Duncan comes to speak to us from your word, Lord, just uh, pray for him and his family for the work that they're doing down in Dublin. We are, we are so thankful for them, uh, spreading your love and your message uh, with everyone down there. And, and we just continue to bless them with your riches, Lord. Uh, and, and continue uh, to enable him to do your work down there. So just as uh, we come to close, we just pray for Duncan as he comes to speak to us and, uh, and bless us all this beautiful Sunday. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. Uh, it is wonderful to be with you. Uh, as said, my name is Duncan. I work with City Church down in Dublin, and my wife and I and a team are in the process of planning to plant a church 
uh, in South Dublin. So that's kind of a bit about me. I'm originally from Kilkenny. I'm not from Dublin. Don't associate me with that. Um, I'm actually from Kilkenny, the best county in Ireland, in my opinion. Um, as we come to this passage, please do keep your Bibles open. We want to hear from God through His Word, by His Spirit. So please keep that passage open. But let me just pray one more time as we come uh, to consider God's Word. Loving Father, I thank You so much for Your grace, Your mercy toward us. I thank You that Your grace is unmeasurable that you are so kind toward us, you are so good toward us. And I pray for us as we once again come and meet as your people, as we hear your word, your gospel proclaimed, would we hear from you? Would we be met by you? Would you, by your spirit, help us to see you and see your son as beautiful and glorious and the one we need? In your beautiful name I pray. Amen. Today we are in Ephesians 2, and in many ways I think this is a great place for us to be at the start of a new year. We all know how at this time people make new goals, new plans at this stage in the year, at this season, and how people feel as though new year, new me, as though we can leave everything bad behind us and, and this is just going to be brand new. And each of us here today can consider the year ahead. Some of us might be feeling excited maybe. Maybe there's excitement coming your way. We're looking forward to our second child, so we're excited for that in March. Others of you might be apprehensive, unsure of what this year will bring. But we all experience change in seasons. For us as Christians, though, we need to know that seasons will change and they do change, but for us, the truth of God's Word does not. That though we are in a new year, facing new experiences, both good and bad, we need the Gospel just as much as we did last year. We never leave it behind. It is always a mistake for us to allow the gospel to become secondary in our lives. Because for the truth for us as Christians is the gospel does not just save us, but it also sanctifies us. It is what will help you in the hardships of life this year. It is what will give you right perspectives in the joys that you experience this year. It is what is going to sustain you in 2022 and throughout your life. What Paul is seeking to do here is to remind the Christians in Ephesus of who they are. Reminding us of who we are as Christians. Reminding us of the gospel because the truth is what Paul writes here is not anything new for these believers. They know the gospel. They have heard the gospel. And yet, he realizes their need, he realizes our need. That though we may be able to articulate the gospel, we are always in danger of forgetting the gospel. Not in terms of our knowledge, but rather in terms of our affections. There is a huge difference between knowledge and experience. 
And Paul is longing for these believers to not just know the gospel, but to once again experience the gospel, to be gripped by the gospel. Brother, sister in Christ, you might be able to tell me perfectly with right theology the truth of the gospel. But for us as Christians, if we are not being gripped by the gospel we proclaim, we are in great danger. We need to constantly be reminded of the truth of the gospel, to allow our affections to be stirred once again, to allow ourselves to be stirred by our Savior, Jesus Christ. And this happens when we allow ourselves to accept our issue, to see our solution, and to know our response, to accept our issue. Look with me again at verse 1. And you were dead. (laughs) Paul is not gentle here. (laughs) He is pretty straight to the point. He wants you to sit up to listen. It's as if you're being hit in the face with a verbal sledgehammer. He wants you to catch what he says here, that you were dead. Now, this is obviously not physical death. I'm not looking at you and thinking, oh, you guys are dead even though it's an early Sunday morning. (laughs) But this is spiritual death. That should have some weight. That should hit us. Death is not a light thing. Because Paul is saying to us, this is either who you were or who you are. A dead person. And a dead person is not doing much. They have no hope. They have no choice. They have no purpose. And yet this is how we are being described. And it's unescapable as it is the reality for all of us. Without an intervention, your soul, your being, the very essence of who you are was dead. And he's clear about the reason for this. It is our sin. Verse 1, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Our deadness is with us from the very beginning of our life. I look at my son and I do not need to wonder whether he has sin in him. (laughs) He shows that time and time again. We are born with it. All of us have chosen to reject God. All of us have chosen to do what we think to be right. We all have moments in which we live as though we ourselves are God. I rule, I reign. Paul expresses this, how we are carrying out the desires of the body and mind in verse 3. We are looking to find the solution to our biggest problem. See, for all dead people, they are searching. A dead person is longing for life, yet never quite finding it. Looking to feel satisfied, but feeling empty. Looking to find purpose left hopeless. I do not need to know you to know that you have felt this. You have experienced this. You fight to try and feel, fill the emptiness you feel. And there is nothing that is working. Because before Christ, we have all been following the wrong ruler, seeking the wrong solutions. Verse 2, look at what the dead person does. 
follows the course of this world, following the prince of the power of air, the spirit that is now at work in sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. Paul is highlighting, you were going after the devil. Satan himself is the one we were following. Or if you're here without Christ, that is who you follow. This is not just a cartoon character. This is not some little guy, red man with a pitchfork. No, this is the one who was the first to desire to be God himself. This is the one who rejected God. This is the one who longs with all his strength for you to hate God. He longs for destruction. And this is what we do. Like Satan, we follow him in desiring to do what we want. Living for whatever seems right to us. Seeking our own solution to the biggest problem we have. Yet it is as though you could have all the water in the world. Just imagine you have all the water in the world and you're trying to fill a bottomless pit. But the issue is that even with all the water, you will never fill it. Many of you, I'm sure, uh, know the great thinker of our day, the great philosopher called Russell Brandt. He's um, pretty well known, and a few years ago he had an interview with Jeremy Paxman, and in the interview it was based around the book that he had just written, and it was discussing this idea of him longing, desiring to be famous. And at one point, Paxman asks Russell, you clearly long to be famous. That's so clear that you long to be famous. But what happened when it finally arrived? And I find it amazing how Russell Brand goes on to describe it in two ways. First, he says, it's like a pair of new shoes. You see them and you're like, oh, I really want them. They're going to look so good. They're going to be so comfortable. And then you finally get them. And unfortunately, actually, they don't look quite as good as you thought they did. They don't feel as comfortable as you thought they would feel. Or it's like a beautiful meal. Just consider your favorite meal and you're absolutely starving and you sit down and it's cooked to perfection and it's there before you and you go to eat it, but there's no substance. It's like ash in your mouth. See, Russell Brand describes it in these ways, that fame in of itself was worthless, and he realized that. It cannot give you what you long for. He believed the lie that fame would satisfy him, but he came to the conclusion that it never could. Because this is the reality. This is what we are seeing in Ephesians 2, that you were dead, that going after fame, money, relationships, success in your work, your studies, sports, going after material stuff, whatever it might be, will not and cannot change your deadness. We cannot fill the void that we feel. As Paul speaks to these believers, they know the gospel, they have heard and responded. Yet, what we see is Paul desperately reminding them, remember, remember what you were. It does not matter if you have known and professed faith in Christ, Lord as Savior, decades ago. 
I grew up in church. I came to faith at the age of four. But the truth is I need this. I need to be reminded of my need constantly, consistently. To remember that it is foolish for me to try to be satisfied in created things rather than the Creator. That is not to say we don't enjoy creation. I think we should enjoy creation. We are called to enjoy creation. But it is always in light of our Creator. Brother, sister in Christ, have you lost sight of this? Have you allowed yourself to become conceited in believing you are good enough for God? In taking for granted the absolute devastating place you stood before Him without Christ. The reality of our situation is that we have nothing that can change our situation. Because we were dead. As people, we constantly strive to feel alive. And as a Christian, there is a temptation to believe the lie that says you need this to truly live. You don't know what living is until you experience that. What is sad though, we may know Christ Jesus, but it's so easy for us, isn't it, to fall back into our old way of thinking. To believe the lie to think your joy should be in something other than Him. But we need to realize where all of this leads. Look again at verse 3. You were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We can pretend amongst ourselves that we are good people. You can feel the need to act as though you have it together. As if you are someone who is good enough. But the truth for us all is we all deserve to face His wrath. We all deserve eternal death. You see, if we don't understand, if we don't accept our need, and are not reminded continually of it, of how desperate our situation was, we won't truly appreciate our solution. That before your holy God, before the Creator God, your life was in complete rebellion to Him. That you hated Him, you rejected Him, and there was nothing you could do to change your circumstance. Our issue is not a small issue. It is an issue that means we had no life. It is an issue which means we had no hope. It is an issue which means we were facing eternal weight of God's wrath. The right response, the right response for Christians is not a lessening acceptance of our need, but a growing one, where we more and more accept our need. Because we are free to do so. We don't have to pretend. You don't have to pretend and fight to prove yourself. Because the truth is, if we get this, we realize we're not enough. That is freeing you can breathe. Because as we realize that, we then marvel as we see our solution. 
because our solution is astonishing. Look at verse 4. But God. Now just pause. Because this is a huge but, right? But God. Because without it, we are nowhere. We are dead. You're dead. I'm dead. It is not God and some of us. It is God. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the measurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. These verses should make the believer rejoice in the depth of our being. If we grasp these, if we see these, if you're not excited by them, then you do not understand them. If you are not rejoicing that in your helpless state, in your deadness, that God acted, then you need to wake up and smell the air. Anytime you begin to feel as if God is not for you, as if God is distant from you, read this. There is and was nothing you offered to compel God to intervene. So often I think a part of us feel or can feel, yes, Jesus saved me, but of course that's kind of what he does. And that is utterly missing how beautiful, how glorious the gospel is. We have zero to give God to compel him to act, to do anything. Before him, we were deserving his righteous judgment. And yet the God who created us and who we rejected chooses to show mercy. The God we rejected, and let's be honest, in so, so many ways continue to reject. His mercy comes toward us, and it is not reluctant mercy, but mercy motivated by love. God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Something I sense from time to time in my own life and among believers, among other Christians, is not fully grasping God's love for us. It's like in families, I think, I think most families have this. We've just celebrated Christmas. We were with families, maybe. And there's one family member, and they're just... They're just awkward. They're an awkward family member, okay? But you love them. You know, you have to love them. And you know that family member, you think, I kind of wish they weren't part of the family, but they are, so I'll love them. Because that's what I'm supposed to do. Now, if you don't know who that is, it might be you, just saying. But in all seriousness, we need to know the love God has for you. It is not like loving an awkward family member. 
This is the greatest love ever to be known and experienced. It is infinite and eternal love. Do you know he sees you fully and completely, every part of you, and he does not recoil away from you. No, he loves you. He delights over you. Right now, brother, sister in Christ, I want you to know that you're a loved child of your heavenly father. And there is nothing that has compelled him to love you like this. He has chosen to love you. God looked at our helpless, disgusting, broken selves and said, yeah, that's my child. This is glorious. This is beautiful beyond our understanding, beyond our articulation. I cannot articulate, and I wish I had better words sometimes when I preach what God has done. We should not see him as a reluctant father, but a father that delights in you as his child, as his son, as his daughter. If you're not a Christian here today, this is what God has done in Christ. You see, Jesus is the means by which God has chosen to reveal himself toward us. Jesus is the central character throughout Scripture, throughout the Bible, but in fact, all of creation points to Him. To display God's love toward us. God doesn't forget our deadness, our sinfulness. He cannot do that. He doesn't just sweep it under the rug. He is the one who is fully holy, but He chooses to deal with it by taking it to the cross. That your shame, all of it, all of your sin is on Christ at the cross. That the wrath you deserved is poured out on Christ at the cross. This is the message we have. This is what we cling to and delight in over and over again. What is crucial is for us to realize the centrality of Christ, our unity to Him. You are only alive because of Him. You are only raised because of Him. You are only seated because of Him. Because now your identity is in Him. He is your identity. Because Jesus, though He went to the cross, He did not stay dead. He rose victorious over death, your death, our death. Death could not hold him from completing what he had planned and purposed. And he ascended and he is the risen Lord Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father. What we are seeing in Ephesians is the wonder and the beauty of our unity to him. The one who rules and reigns. This is the beauty of the gospel. The outcast brought close. Not just close, but adopted into the family. As sons and daughters of the living God. And what this points to is His glory. That He displays His glory through this. By grace you've been saved, verse 6, and raised up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, So that, 
in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. This is about God choosing to show and display the glory we were made and have been made to see and know and savor. It is not a life that is lived for self that is going to lead to satisfaction. It is a life that is lived for what we have been made for that will bring satisfaction. That we have been made for Him. A well-known preacher, John Piper, says this, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. As we gaze into 2022, none of us know what is ahead. We can't predict it. In some ways, we can't really plan for it either. But when you are a child of God, when you realize all He has done for you, then there is nothing for us to fear. Nothing for you to believe that will be too much. Your confidence is in His finished work for you. Your life itself is hidden in Him. The certainty of your salvation is sure and secure. And we need to know our response. Look at verse 8. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. It's simple. Are you going to receive the gift on offer? Or are you going to be reminded? Do you need to be reminded of the gift that you at one point received? To know we continually need this. You need to stop and realize that you do not need to try and earn your salvation. Stop seeking to come and act as though your life is more perfect than it is. You are broken and you are in need of this grace. His grace. We all are. What I have seen growing up in church is so many Christians who are trapped. We walk through those doors on a Sunday into church and we feel the need to present ourselves, don't we? How's your week? Great! We act as though we're fine. We have no struggles. We pretend we are not thinking and, and, and gripped by sins we have committed that haunt us. That is not what we've been saved for. We can be honest, we can be open, we can be real and say, you know what, I'm broken in need of Savior because we all are. When we gather as believers, it should be a place for the broken, for the weak, for the needy. In the world that is around us, people feel the need to act as though they have it together. They feel they need to be strong and self-reliant. That sort of thinking is devastating. My plea is that we all would just be more real, more honest, more dependent upon our Savior. None of us are good enough. And that is freeing. That we don't just carry our own burdens but we have a Savior who has carried it for us. And that as we are adopted into the family of faith, 
We have brothers and sisters who would carry our burdens with us also, that we would be weeping with those who weep and rejoicing with those who rejoice. That in Christ we are saved, in Christ we are secure, in Christ we have been adopted, in Christ we are more loved more dearly than we know. In Christ we are freed from a purposeless life. In Christ we have life itself. Now live that life. This is how we live this life. As you know all that has been done for you, as you take time to let that sink into your very being, into your heart, then in our satisfaction of Him, we will begin to live for Him, to display Him. But please hear me rightly, because you might be here, and, and I have had seasons like this where, where you're trying, you're longing, you're, you're looking to Him and saying, I want to love you, I want my affections to be stirred by you, and yet your emotions feel dull toward Him, toward the gospel. This is slow work. This is not just quick. It is bit by bit we are being changed. Bit by bit He is preparing us for our eternal home. This is a hard road. He doesn't say it would be any other way. But keep your eyes fixed on Him. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. If you truly see Christ rightly, there will be nothing more beautiful, nothing more satisfying, nothing more precious, nothing more valuable in your life. The more you grasp who Christ is and what He has done, the more this will transform your affections. In this way, we will be people who walk in the good works He has for us. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We're not passive. We're not just going through this life. We should pursue good. Just don't allow your good to become your identity. Allow your good to be an overflow of your identity in Christ depending on the Spirit's work in you. My longing for us all in life in general, in this sermon, if anything, that God would just continually remind us to make our lives count, to not just waste it, to live for what we've been made to live for, to be reminded of that all the time. Every breath is a gift from God given to us. And if you know Christ Jesus, you need to see His overwhelming love for us. We need to see more people transformed by God's grace in Jesus Christ. By the Spirit's work. So let me encourage us all that as we think about this year, as we think about 2022, that we wouldn't think we understand and we've, we've checked the box of the gospel but that we would be people who continually cling to the gospel we proclaim. That we would continually realize that He has done it all for us. That our identity is in Christ. That who we are are sons and daughters of the living God. That when He gazes upon you, He sees and delights. 
and that in your identity you would make much of him in every area of your life, living for his name and his glory. Let me pray. Loving Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you how accessible your word is to us as your people here in Northern Ireland and Ireland. And I pray that we would not take that for granted. I pray we would not take for granted the blessings of church, the blessings of your word, the blessings that we can come to you in prayer but that we would be people who would love you, who would pursue you, who would delight in you, and that as we do so, we would be transformed. I thank you that the transforming work in us is done by you, that you are the one who will complete the work in us by your Spirit through the work that your Son accomplished for us. I pray that you would encourage these guys. I pray that they would know and love you and that you would stir their affections all the more as we look at 2022 and that we would love you more deeply and treasure you. In Jesus' name.